everybody welcome back to the 70th episode of taps and patience now with funkier music mm-hmm. maybe more modern we were doing kind of funky music before now we're at modern tiktok music that is loud i'm sorry <laughs> sorry i don't know I, I found that one in the youtube library and it's like in all the tiktoks and youtube shorts and stuff so i chose it anyway yeah taps and patience episode 70 aj harrison precision ingenuity audacity micro We've done this 70 times, um, maybe <laughs> twice correctly. Yeah. But hi, Harrison. That's being, How you doing? That's that's being generous twice correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe one and a half times correctly. <laughs> Man, I'm doing good. I'm honestly exhausted. I haven't ever since COVID, and this is a horrible excuse because we're way past that. I haven't really been at a gym and mm. I need to, I need to go back and I just haven't. But I've been moving a shop, and so I have worked out or worked out more than I have in a very long time, and so I am just sore and exhausted all over. Yeah. So, but we have officially moved into the new shop. Um, we can go into some details on it here in a little bit, but um, the only things left at the old shop is a couple recycle bins and a display cabinet, um, which is going to go in the front of the shop. But the front of the shop is where the offices are, and they are under construction. So okay, um, we couldn't really build any of the front offices until the Haas machine was delivered because they came in through the front of the building, and that door is going to get sealed up because that's going to be where my office is. How are you going to get it out? It had two garage doors. It had one on the front of the building and one on the side. Okay. And the one on- so you can the- still get it out. <laughs> we can still get it out. Okay. The, re- the reason that we're closing up the front one is one for the offices. And the reason they wanted to use the front one is because there was a concrete pad outside that door that led in. And on the side door, it's just gravel. Long-term goal is to turn the side door into the shipping and receiving into concrete pad out in front of it. So that's how the machine will go out. Um, But it'll be concrete by the time we're, we're moving out. Okay. So... But anyways, machine came in basically through what will eventually be my office. Nice. <laughs> so, um, but that so was... How a, is that, the, go ahead. I was, I was just saying, how is the new shop? Man, it is... It was... It's overwhelming, and it's exciting, and it's stressful. It's exciting. I mean, in the beginning, we moved all of our stuff in, and we had it everywhere. And... Looking back, it was like, how did we fit all of this in the old shop? And like when we when we eventually cleared out the old shop, it looks so tiny. And it already looks like we've like expanded out to fill up the new shop almost in a way. But as we get organized, we get everything put back, it's kind of shrinking back down because everything was kind of yep. spread out on the floor. Um, but man, it is it's awesome. It is so nice. We had a little bit of a kerfuffle because we got a new air compressor. And we went with fast pipe mm-hmm. and the fast pipe uh, has a, you can get a, an MPT to fast pipe adapter okay. and they only sell it in aluminum. And we ended up over tightening it and twisting mm. over the threads. And so Oops. we had to order a new one and we were scared because the host tech was supposed to be on Monday and then they moved it to Wednesday and now it's tomorrow. So today's Wednesday. So it's going to be tomorrow. Um, but anyways, we got a new fitting in and we got that fixed up. So now we have shop air. We have a, a 10, 10 horse rotary screw compressor, which is an awesome machine. And we got the new sandblasting cabinet connected. And mm. no joke, we took it for a test run on just some scrap parts that we had from the old shop. And at the old shop, <clears throat> it would take five, 10 minutes on some parts to get them sandblasted. With this new air compressor and the new sandblasting cabinet, it's kind of a race to see how fast you can turn the part to get to all the sides. Because as soon as it hits it, it's sandblasted. That's it awesome. Is, it is like so much faster. It's going to take off hours of sandblasting time off of some of these parts. It's just going to, I mean, off of some of these jobs. It's going to be insane. Um, so we got we got maybe a little bit too giddy and excited about sandblasting. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> it was pretty fun. We're doing a deep clean on the Tormach and the ST15. 
we cleaned out the coolant tanks. We've been wiping down the machines. I we we bought a precision level, a uh, okay two tenths over ten inches level, and we leveled the lathe and the tormach. Uh, the tormach was probably never leveled well in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> the Hostech did the uh, ST fifteen when we bought it. Uh, but the Tormach, we just got one of those like digital ones and it's like plus mm-hmm. or minus like half a degree or something. So I have no idea what it was before, but hopefully it'll be a lot better now that we have a precise level on it. We have no internet. We've just been hotspotting mm. off our phones. That's a bummer. Especially yeah. with Fusion. Yeah. So, and it's a metal building, so our internet has been horrible. Our Our plan was, and this is so annoying, we went to T-Mobile on January 2nd and our where the building's located it's technically in county uh it's not in city side city limits it's in the county yep and because of that Cox internet does not go to the shop mm. and so our two options was T-Mobile and Starlink Starlink was about 3 times the price of T-Mobile um, but it's probably going to be faster and more reliable. Yeah. But our our goal was start with T-Mobile. There was a chance the building could get annexed uh, in the near future and that Cox would then probably show up shortly after. And so our goal was get T-Mobile. It should last us for a year or two and hopefully we get annexed in and then we can switch over to Cox. And Cox is kind of in between the price range of Starlink and T-Mobile. But anyways... Backing up, our plan was to get T-Mobile, and we talked to them in advance. We could get it same day. And so our plan was the day we moved in, we were going to buy T-Mobile. I went to T-Mobile, and they had a policy change where there was a lot of people, because it's kind of a rural area where we're at, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of people that were buying T-Mobile hotspots, and they were saying their address was outside the city limits, like somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. And then they were they were and then but they were having it inside the city limits and they were overloading towers. And so T-Mobile basically did a pre- precise home location identification to like find out where all their hotspots were and if the hotspot was in an area that did not match your address um they basically canceled the service and huh. they 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 said they kicked like 60% of the home internet uh, users in our area off and they wouldn't sell us a a uh, wireless hotspot modem because they said the tower was full and they couldn't they couldn't give out anymore interesting huh. and so that basically left us with starlink so which is should be showing up tomorrow so okay nice so we will have internet tomorrow but um it's been kind of slow the first half of the week so we got it ordered last week on Friday. For those of you that are curious, uh, if you do order Starlink and you're having a hard time doing it for like your personal house, if you say you're a business, they prioritize <laughs> that and they get it out to oh, you that's faster. Interesting. But it's more expensive. It's mm. it's 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 a hundred and forty a month versus hundred and twenty a month. Gosh, that is still expensive. Yeah. So it was going to be. This is how the internet broke breakdown works. It was going to be fifty bucks a month for T-Mobile. It was going to be it, if we had Cox, it would be in the sixty to eighty dollar range, and then uh, Starlink is one one forty for business. So it'll be faster and more reliable than T-Mobile, I'm sure, um, but it's still three times the cost, basically. Yeah. So. Anyways, we looked at a lot of places that didn't have really any sort of internet. Like it was, you know, it was it was like DSL or if you're lucky, you can get cell phone reception. Yeah. <laughs> and Starlink was still kind of coming. We it, at that time, my who was it? Was it my my sister-in-law? I don't know. Someone in my family. I don't remember who it was. They were they moved out to a house in the kind of in the middle of nowhere. And they were on the waiting list for Starlink for like eight months before they gave up. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I'm glad Starlink is coming out because for a lot of people don't understand that there are some still very rural parts of the U.S. Oh, yeah. 
And yeah. even the more urban areas of the U.S. don't have as good internet connection as a lot of other countries do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. the U.S. is big. It's huge. U.S. is big. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of places to cover. And our ISPs suck. <laughs> yeah. Cox needs competition. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. That and DSL. CenturyLink. That's that's kind of our two providers we've had historically has been CenturyLink or Cox, and they both suck. So I'm glad Starlink's coming in and shaking things up. If we were so. just like across the, the highway, which is maybe a quarter mile, half mile away, we would have basically no options. But because we're on this side of the highway, we have Comcast. And as much as I hate Comcast, their internet has actually been pretty cheap and pretty good for us. That's I good. pay like 35 bucks a month and I get pretty decent speeds. Yeah. I've had to yell at Cox a couple times because. Yeah. About once a year, you sucks. get to call your about once a year, you get to call your ISP and tell them to lower your prices again. Yeah. Because, yeah, and I'm probably due for it now, actually. I bet within a month or two, Comcast is going to bump me up to like $150 a month and then I'll yell at them until they give me $35 again. Yeah. Yep. That's what it takes. Yep. So it's. It's annoying, but they got mad at me because I didn't do the modem rental. Mm. I bought my own modem because I didn't want to rent a modem for like 15 bucks a month. a month or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, no, I'll go buy my own. Thank you. And then they took that charge off and lost that rental fee and they get mad now. Anytime, anytime I have an issue and I call them like, well, you're not on the right modem. And it's yes, like, <laughs> they like, love to blame it on that. It's I'm like, it's not the modem. It's not the modem. I said, the modem I got is three times the modem that you had before. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, enough yelling at ISPs. Yeah, enough, enough yelling at Internet providers. Fun fact, our shop is on Wellwater. OK. And I'm on a well. Oh, you're on a well. Yeah. And the water smells like rotten eggs. It is, Do you have it a is softener? A, we don't have anything yet, but okay. it's a, it's apparently a really high sulfur content, and it just smells horrible. But we, we have, did a... Go ahead. I was say, we have a... We just replaced our water softener with a big new modern one, and then added a, um, a whole house filter. It's like a two-stage filter system, um, and that got rid of kind of our sulfur smell. And we, have a, we had a ton of iron in our water. Like yeah. a ton. Yeah. So we're looking at switching over to city water because city water is outside the building. It's just not being oh, connected. Okay. Yeah. But based off of the we did a we did a water test today, and apart from the high sulfur, it was like really clean water. Yeah. So I'm kind of tempted to just get some filters and stay on well. Because I think it'll be cleaner than the city. And you can do both. Yes. That's true. My The house I grew up in was started on a well. And then at some point they put city water in. And it was like the the hoses went to the well. And like the sprayer in the sink in the kitchen. And mm-hmm. then um, everything else was city. And so that way you could still have like non-coordinated water for plants and And if the city water ever went down, as long as we had power, you still had water. Yeah. And unfortunately, the city that I'm in, they run the chlorine at the max allowable. Yeah. And so, like, all of my appliances in my house are basically caked in chlorine. It's Mm. horrible. We have to, like, go clean them, like, once every six months or so. Not hard water? No, it's chlorine. It's chlorine. That's interesting. Well, it's because their treatments is they don't have a very good water treatment system. So they compensate by extra chlorine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have really hard water out here, like really hard water. So mm-hmm. we have to really stay on top of our, our water softener. Yeah. But we'll see. Just it's just been so nice. Like I'm starting to see like, you know, like as you're growing as a business, you're always like, oh, man, I can't wait until the day when XYZ comes to fruition or like we can finally do this or finally do that. And moving into a new shop, getting a, a new sandblasting cabinet, having some space, a new air compressor, a new machine, 
hopefully moving into five axis like it's it's a whole different stratosphere that we're fixing to move into and it's it's scary because we've invested a whole lot of money into some things but there's a lot of potential so this this next year is going to be very interesting to see how it plays out uh, i have i i have goals but i have no idea you know what's going to happen <laughs> in the long run so we'll see so my shop got a little bit bigger yesterday well the shop's oh. the same size but we opened up some space let's 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 change gears let's talk about you you a little bit your shop yeah yeah so i'm so- going in the opposite direction harrison got a new machine and i said goodbye to a machine <laughs> Yeah, the, the Tormach left me. It went to a new home down in, I believe it was Tennessee, going to a gunsmith. Oh, wow. And my my shop feels very big now. But it worked out pretty well in the end. I mean, I wasn't really in a hurry to sell it. But, you know, this guy came in and kind of gave me a good offer. And I'm not, like, the the sale price was pretty close to what I paid for the machine. Basically, basically the guy just bought a new Tormach, but he got all of my tools and fixturing for free. That's basically what it worked out to be. Yeah. So, I mean, man, those MXs hold their value. It's yeah. kind of shocking how well Tormachs hold their value. Yester- so yesterday, he came at 9 o'clock. The day before, I'd been hoping to get more prep done, mm-hmm. but I just never got time to do it. So the guy showed up at 9 o'clock, and you know, we were kind of, I was kind of running around getting everything packed up, and uh, I had to clean out the machine and, you know, then we had to figure out how to get it loaded up. I ended up going out at nine o'clock. Uh, I hadn't eaten breakfast yet. And we like, it took all day to get the machine loaded into the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, it should not have been that difficult. It kind of, it turned into a whole thing, but anyway, we eventually got on the trailer and it left. Um, they left at like four or five and I had not eaten anything all day for a, a day full of physical activity. So machine left and we ended up going out to eat after that. And so I went without eating all day and then we went out to eat and I had a big dinner. I got home. It was like seven o'clock and I went upstairs. I took a shower. I laid in bed. I was going to like watch a video for a bit and then, you know, go back downstairs or something. No, clunked mm. out. Fell asleep oh my at goodness. eight o'clock. And then I woke up at three thirty this morning <laughs> Oh my goodness. So yesterday was a full day of trying to get the machine out. And then today has kind of been an odds and ends day. Mm -hmm. I haven't made any parts. I haven't programmed anything, but I had like a thousand random things to do. Yeah. Like I answered some emails. I, you know, did some accounting stuff. I didn't actually get the shop reorganized, which I need to, because it's in, it's a mess right now. Mm -hmm. Put a new mirror on my truck. Because uh, it got attacked by a stick, I w- went to the um, the the scrap dealer for the first time and dropped off all the materials I've been saving. I bought some rubber mats for the shop. Oh, I had to drive down to Indianapolis. the mm-hmm. the pro- the The next job I have coming up has some small drills and I um, or small holes, and I ordered some small drills from Amazon, some PCB drills. Mm-hmm. Uh, except last time I shipped an Amazon package to where we are. The, mm-hmm. It was supposed to take four days and ended up taking a week. That was that that thread gauge I think we talked about last time. And I didn't want a repeat of that. So I shipped it to my sister's house, who's down in Indianapolis, and got it next day. But now I had to drive down to Indianapolis to get the drills. And I don't know, it was one of those things where there was no one big thing, but a thousand small things added up to my entire day today. Yeah, I, I understand that. We basically haven't accepted any work since the beginning of this year. So it's crazy. <laughs> I know it's really scary in a lot of ways. I was looking at Weston did the, uh, the finances today and like January is just a flat line of, <laughs> of like income. It's just like, Nyeh. and we we've, I think officially been paid out our, our last jobs that we had opened before we, uh, Mm-hmm. from last year so i think we're pretty much like have nothing out in our net 30 and have no jobs that we're currently doing so it's like very scary right now um but also like there's a lot of potential 
It's very, to be very fair, good. if you're going to miss any month, like January is always pretty slow. Like yeah. I might as well have not taken any jobs for the first two weeks of January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been it's it's been stressful, but it's it's exciting at the same time. Yeah, there was something I was going to say and I forgot. So you know the sign of a job that's going to end up being complicated. It was you. You thought to yourself, "Oh, this is going to be a quick, easy job." No, the first <laughs> thing I did was print out an ISO standard. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> This part, it, I, I got thinking about this part. It has a, a, I don't know how you say it, a lure lock fitting on one side, which is what they use for syringes. And the other side of it has a one inch NPT. It's like, what are they doing that needs both a syringe and a one inch NPT? Like, what are they oh my putting goodness. into somebody or sucking out of them? It's like something out of a sci-fi show. Yeah. <laughs> Inflating someone with the one inch NPT. But I had to look up the the lure lock standard. How would you program that, though? That is a good question. (laughs) No, it's it seems to be kind of a blunt to start thread. And I have like the thread pitch and everything that's in there. What I need to find out is if I can do it with a normal thread mill or if I'm going to need, I think maybe... You might actually even be able to do it with a um, a small slitting saw, where I might need an Acme, an you could, Acme thread get thread mill. You could probably do it with a key seat cutter from Harvey with rounded corners, and you could yep, just that would work. Because because you could go all the way down to the base, and then you could just use the rounded corners like a ball, like a like a bull end mill, and just smooth it out. Yeah, I yeah I could even surface it in with a lollipop because it's kind of it's a very wide open thread. You could surface I maybe I don't know if you could get all the way down to the bottom with that. That's why I was thinking like a bullnose. Um, it's true because that would give you a little more depth on it. Yeah, but I do need to order that like today. But that'll be fun though. You yep. have to let me know how that goes. Let's see, last, or was that last week? No, that was this week. I made my smallest part that I've ever made, and then I immediately made the next part, which was my smallest part again. And the next part I have lined up is going to be my smallest part again. So, Smaller? Really? I think yeah. you messaged I think you messaged me about this one. What was it? Like a <laughs> like point like fifty thou diameter in length yeah. or something? <laughs> oh my like, goodness. I think it's like a millimeter by a half millimeter. Oh my goodness. I'm going to lose a lot of these. Was there two, were they two sided? Was it up one and up two? No. So this is the, the beauty. I can do it with salami slice. Yeah. But how do you find it? The chips, it's going to like fly off into the chip bin. I'll leave a tab. Oh, okay. I did that with the other ones I did this week. Oh my goodness. Cause even when you salami slice it, like usually like some people leave 50 thousand like the tab. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it any bitty teeny tiny tab, and then I can lap the the backside flat. Oh my goodness, that is tiny. I did lose several of the parts during this last run. Mm-hmm. They were well. One of one of them was approximately an M two point five nut, and the other one was approximately an M two point five screw. They had some weird oh. shapes and sizes and stuff, but or some weird. Geometries oh, so they were threaded? on them. Yes. Yeah, one oh, on the OD, one on the ID. Did you use a thread mill, I'm assuming? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Wow. M2.5 isn't bad. That's it's huge. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, that's, still, <laughs> that's tiny, but... <laughs> Relative to the part that I'm about to do that has <laughs> 0.2 millimeter holes in it. 0.2 millimeter? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What material? Ooh, so this this is the one where I hit Zometry jackpot, where I took the first job out of 303 stainless, which I already had from the parts I just made. Mm-hmm. And then like two days later, I saw the exact same part on Zometry out of 1018. Oh, okay. So nice. It 
it's the exact exact same drawing, exact same file. Uh, I'll be able to use the same program and the same setup. I just switch out materials and hit go again. Nice. Yeah. Zometry, I had over 50. I had 57 jobs on my board today. Wow. Okay. I've definitely seen them flowing in faster. Like the beginning of the year was super slow. Like to the point where my job board has been basically perpetually empty because I go through and I get, you know, not interested in all the jobs I'm not interested in. But today I just kept going back and there was more and more and more. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go through that list because we're going to want to accept some more work and it was just a crazy amount. So, yeah. I've never seen it over 43 or four. So this is the the highest I've ever seen it, which is just crazy. So, Ooh, speaking of sorting through Zometry jobs. So this was kind of my, I think my most interesting thing in the last couple of weeks. And I'm curious if they reached out to you yet, because they said they were going to. So there is a company called, well, their toolpath.com is the website. I don't the company I thought was Toolpath Engineering. I don't, I don't know if that's correct though. But toolpath.com, they have a automated it's not quite a quote engine, but it will give you a quote. Okay. And it will look at your part and figure out what tools you need and how many operations it is. Interesting. And they are working on a like a cam assist kind of plugin mm-hmm. to fusion. So you can give it, you know, it'll have your tool library and everything. You give it the part. It will look at that part. It'll tell you, it'll give you a quote for it and it'll at least start the cam for you. Oh my. And I, I got set up with a, with a demo and a um, like a trial account and it is still like, beta like it is still really early on in its development but mm-hmm. it's really promising and i think the the big strength like it yes it'll be nice for generating quotes for customers like it doesn't give you a mm-hmm. quote but it'll give you a uh, it doesn't give you a quote document you can send to a customer but it'll give you a good starting point on your quote the big thing you can take a zometry job drop the zometry job in there and figure out really quickly if that job's worth it for you Ooh, that would be very nice. So it's just a really good way of sifting through Zometry work. Yeah. Which I really wish there was a way I could go in and just say, hey, if this type of job shows up, don't even show it to me because I'm not going to want to take it. You can do that. You can? You can set up filters. Oh, you you can set and up filters. you can filters. save filters. You, you yeah, can set yeah, up saved yeah. filters. Yeah, yeah, I I have that, but you still have to take them off your board. Not if they're filtered. Well, it just doesn't show them to you. Yeah, it doesn't show them to you, but like Zometry will limit the amount of parts it'll show to you. And so I will use the filter and I will go through and I will delete. I have I have filters for things I don't want, not things I do want, ironically. So I filter by what I don't want. And then I just go through and I go, not interested, not interested, oh, not interested, not interested, not interested. <laughs> and then what's left behind is everything that I can start sifting through that could be of interest to me. Um, and so that's when I start sifting through and I, and I look at the jobs and I go, okay. And the reason I do that is because if I go through and hit not interested on a bunch of, bunch of things, especially at the end of the day, Zometry will cap how many parts it'll show you. But if you start removing things from your board, it'll start backfilling more items. And so if, yeah, the sooner you sense. can look at something and say, not interested, the more jobs you'll see. And so then I can figure out how many jobs are actually out there. Uh, Cause like, like I said, I started out at 57 and then I might remove, you know, 15 jobs and it'll it'll bring me down to like 50, even though I remove 15 um, because it just yeah. it just starts it starts showing me new jobs. It shows you like a percentage of the available jobs, I think is how it works. And so your board is only a percentage of it. Yeah, it definitely doesn't show you everything. My theory is that like. One, everybody gets ranked both by like by their reputation with Zometry mm-hmm. and then also with their um, specialties. Like, yeah, I think if both of us are ranked the same and there is a job with tiny parts, I'm much more likely to see it than you are. Oh, yeah. 
or if there's like a high volume job, you're going to be a lot more likely to see it than I am. But then also if there is somebody who's been on Zometry for a long time, they are and you know, has a good record. They're much more likely to see a job than somebody who hasn't been as been on as long. Yeah. Yeah. Like seniority. Yeah. I, I, I learned. Def- a, go ahead. I was gonna say, I learned a Zometry hack. What's that? So, uh, I was talking to somebody who's been a long, been on Zomagy for a long time. Like he was way back in the early days mm-hmm. uh, when some of this stuff was a little bit more transparent. Turns out Zometry's default is a 70-30 profit split. So if they get paid $1,000 for a job, you get 300, they keep 700. Mm-hmm. So like when a job first shows up on the job board, it shows up with that 70-30 split. I think if people don't take it for a while, it slowly increases. It, but it increases up to a 50-50 split. And that is kind of the cutoff of like what they would consider like normal. Like they don't like going above that 50-50 split. And uh, it takes like human and managerial approval to get above that 50-50 split. That makes so sense. if when you are asking for more money for a Zometry job, if you ask for if you ask for enough money to get to that 50 50 split, but don't get over the chances of you getting that more money go way up. So yes, yes. But the only thing I would say to that is you don't always see it on your board at that 50 at that 30 70 split, depending on how long that job has been alive. That's probably as, cause as they show it to more people, they start to get feedback and they'll start increasing that price. And cause I've, I've, denied jobs and then seen it come back at a higher price multiple oh, yeah. times. And so, so depending on when you see that job on your board, it might've gone through that cycle a couple of times where they keep raising the price. Yes. So, however, the, um, well, the amount of jobs that I've had come back for more money has gone from like 10% to like 60%. I have two probably- jobs up here right now where I asked for more money. Yeah. Um, and they came back and said, yes. But some of that also could be, it, it seems like they're swamped right now. They do seem to be swamped right now. So. But and, still, and, the, the difference in like the numbers that I was shooting them versus using. So basically, I take the job value, I multiply by five thirds, and mm-hmm. I've had so many more come back. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we're. Let's see here. Tomorrow we might start running our machines again. Um, at least the Tormach Woo-hoo. and the the, the lathe. lathe. We were cleaning them today. Um, I got some uh, coolant tank cleaners, and I've been running them through both machines. And so um, we keep telling ourselves this, and we need to do a better job of this. We need to set up schedules for regular maintenance on all of our machines, like to clean them out, scrub them out, check coolants, all that kind of fun stuff. Make you know, uh, I'd like to check the levelness of it over time, because mm, it will settle. Because it will settle, especially the new machine, because it's fifteen thousand pounds. S- some settling will occur. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and now that we have a precision level, I, like I just want to, I just want to set up schedules to to check on these things a little more frequently. Um, I don't want to become an old grungy shop that has machines that they've had for 40 years that are just barely functioning, but they still use them every day. So that's not, sorry, I'm resisting the urge to not take zometry work right now. Oh, I understand. There's, there's a huge pile. That's what I'm going to be doing when I get off here is going through my list. Because I want, I zometry is the quickest way to get work flowing back into our shop right now. Because we've been yeah. turning everyone away, um, so once once that faucet gets turned back on, we're probably going to start off heavily on the zometry side, um, while I'm going to pick up new customers and tell all my pre-existing customers that I'm accepting work again. Yep. So, uh, plus, I really want to get some. Once I start playing around with the five axis, I really want to get some zometry jobs that are using five axis to kind of play around, get experience and and grow in my five axis capabilities. Cause there's, there's a lot of parts on Zometry that like I can make them on a three axis machine, 
but making them on a five axis machine like reduces the cycle time tremendously or maybe not the cycle time but like my stress level <laughs> yes <laughs> so that's what i want to try to do yeah i would love to get some sort of at least four axis setup um yeah you lost your four axis i lost my four axis i never i never valued it until like the two weeks before it left oh yeah and i started valuing it and then i was like oh well that's gone now but i could put something on the hoss i could you know end up with something in the future now does your machine um can it do five axis does it have that capabilities in the controller i would need to add a drive but okay yes. but it's just it's just a drive issue like the yeah, except the drive cost ten thousand dollars yeah which is plus over the half trending. the price of- over half the price yeah. for that machine. The for. drive plus the trunnion will cost more than the whole machine. Yeah. So Gosh. I'm thinking about doing more like something kind of pseudo five axis first where with like the flux puck and the 90 degree adapter, that may be the more economic option for me. Yeah. Yeah. At least, especially to get started and to just like get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Well, I've done, done five there. axis programming before. And I did oh, a teeny tiny have. five axis, but I'm actually fairly familiar with it. That's right. I haven't. I haven't done any five axis work yet. So we'll see how it goes. It's it. It doesn't look like it's going to be that bad. No, it's not. At least three plus two. Super easy. Yeah. Is it just changing your tool orient? Yep. Pretty okay. That's pretty much it. And then you know, make sure you don't crash, but. Yeah, simulation, simulation, simulation. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. That's that's a big benefit of the um, Penda Machine Co. Solo, is they have that simulator on their website. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. I want that machine. I need that machine. <laughs> Maybe that's what you put your down payment on. It's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I did get confirmation. So they have like different accuracy classes when you Mm -hmm. um, do the quote Mm -hmm. and it is not a hardware change. It is just a dialing in and calibration change. Gotcha. So, so I would probably go for the lower one and invest in a, uh, like a granite square. (laughs) Now, Now, when they do that, do they actually change the software side? Or is I it... don't know if it's software or like actually alignment of rails. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was curious of. If they but spend if it's time... software. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's kind of like the brother, um, the brother speedios, and I think the Robo drills as well. You can get the precision plug in, and it's just like a chip that plugs in that gives you an extra decimal. Yeah. <laughs> so and apparently makes a pretty big difference which there was a my my local used machine rep he sent me a robo drill and if i had the money right now i would buy it it was a 2018 robo drill and it had a 24000 rpm spindle and it had the ultra precision package on it and it had maybe i think a fourth axis drive and a, and a fourth axis table uh rotary table mm-hmm. and a couple other options but it was like the exact machine that i would want to replace the tormach like yeah like that's 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 what i want to get f- to replace the tormach is a machine like that um something higher pm with a fourth axis to take on um take on basically aluminum work and or fourth axis work and just have it dedicated to those two two things. I am jealous of your door that allows you to fit machines through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I still have a piece of trim sitting on a shelf that I had to remove from my garage door to get the Tormach out. <laughs> so I, one thing that I'm really happy for now that you mentioned it is I have three I have three phase wiring at my new shop. So I don't have uh-huh. a I don't have a hum of a phase converter whenever I turn on the lathe. Oh, that's nice. I never considered that. So it's it's really weird to like turn on the way the lathe that is just like the shop silent and I'm like something's up. Some noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, something's wrong. So that that we did leave that at the old shop which 
uh, dad may or may not use for uh, a manual machine one of these days. Mm-hmm. He wants to get he wants to get a, a lathe and a bridge port, a manual lathe okay. and a and a manual and a bridge port. He's he's been hanging out with us too much, and he he's yeah. always threatened <laughs> about getting that kind of stuff in the past. But now that he's had some exposure to it, he he loves to just kind of turn some handles and make some parts. So. I've kind of been wanting a manual lathe just to like have around for kind of tool roomy stuff. And manual, for fun. Yeah. Manual lathes are sweet. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. And you could just crank out. Like if you're just doing like a little bit of work, they're awesome. It may just be my bias because I've used manual lathes a lot more than manual mills, but manual lathes seem more efficient than manual mills. Like you just get more for your money in your floor space. Yeah. I still got a time suit. Go ahead. We're doing great talking over each other today. At times it would be nice to have a manual mill just to like pop a uh, a hole in the side of a part. But yeah, and I still got to come up with a way of drilling holes and really long parts, which is probably going to end up being a 90 degree head. Could you put a sure line in horizontal mode? Do it on a sure line? Maybe. You might have to like clamp the the mill to the work material instead of the material to the mill. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but there is a stupid amount of parts that exist in this world that are big plates with holes drilled at ninety degree ends on the thin yeah. side. <laughs> there is way too many of these parts that exist, and it's annoying. <laughs> That's why you get those five axis routers with the flying head, like the flying five axis head. Yeah. And Haas has their, I think it's the VR line. They have, have VRs and VSs. Yeah. I think the V, I think it's the VR. It's basically your three axis VF series, but the head is five axis and can rotate mm. around. Yeah. And those would be really good for like plate work with holes drilled in on the sides. Yep. So. Those are expensive. <laughs> so I've got a really random question for you. I can make what, up an answer. <laughs> what do you do shoe wise and floor mat wise in your shop? Shoe wise. What are they called? Like Merlin shoes or something? Are they a work boot or like a tennis shoe? Or somewhere they're between? A, they're a work shoe. They're a slip-on, and they're okay. really comfortable. I've worn them out. I need to get better soles because my feet are getting sore because I've basically worn them out. But they had... I didn't know this when I bought them, but they have steel toes. And Okay, that's a nice they're surprise. Like, they're, they're, work, they're just a, they're a slip-on shoe, and they have a, a steel toe. And I didn't know that until I got home and was like, like bending them around, kind of feeling their flexibility. And I was like, man, this toe's really, oh, it's a steel toe. (laughs) So that was kind of a cool, exciting deal. And then for the floor, we ended up, it was a concrete floor and we stained it. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to have floor mats at all the machines. Okay. And right now I just have cheap Harbor Freight floor mats. Um, but I would like to get something a little bit nicer eventually. Uh, in front of the packing station, we have this rubber mat that has foam underneath it, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to find something like that. It's it's too big to stick in front of the mill or the lathe, although the new, the new Haas, it would be perfect for that. I need to get another one for that. So yeah, I just need something for the Tormach and the lathe, because they're uh, the work areas that I have for them is a little bit thinner, um, but okay. with the with the doors on the on the Haas, it's going to be I'm going to be opening things up big enough that I can have a big mat in front of it, and it won't affect anything. Yeah, I there's been a couple times recently where like I've had a longer day, but not like too crazy of a day, and like my my feet and my legs will just be so tired, and my back will start hurting. It's like I should be fine. 
And then the other day I realized that I can't tell the difference between like the, my new shoes that I've been, my, my new shoes that I've been wearing and like my old junker ones that I keep, like I've kept around for mowing the lawn or whatever. And it's like, Oh, Mm. so my shoes might be part of this. Yeah. But also, uh, I've, I also think I just need floor mats underneath where I'm standing. Cause again, yeah. Hard concrete slab. Especially if your shoes aren't cushiony, it's been yeah. bad. And, and I think that's my, my problem as well. Is I think I bought these shoes not long after we started the business. Yeah. So that means they've been about two years of hard use. And they've held up really well. It's only the, the padding on the bottom where I'm basically... I have no padding between my feet and the concrete at this point. Yeah. And I'm starting to feel it in my feet. It, they're starting to really hurt, so... I put on, I had a different pair of shoes I wore the other day just because I wanted to experiment and see if it made a difference. And it felt so weird. It was a good weird, but they weren't as comfortable as these shoes, but my feet felt better at the end of the day. Yeah. So my, my only splurge from selling the Tormach, the only money I'm taking out of that is I went, I, I took 200 bucks and I went to tractor supply and today I bought four horse stall mats. Yeah. They are, they're three quarter inch rubber and they have a, not a grid of holes, but the opposite, a grid of cylinders on the bottom of them. So mm-hmm. thing, stuff like coolant can kind of flow underneath them. And also it gives them some squish. Yeah. So I bought four, four by six mats. And I think I'm going to put two in front of the Haas and then um, two in my, now empty spot where the Tormach was that I think I'm going to turn into an inspection area. Yeah. And then I'm also looking at some like actual work shoes. Are you familiar with red wing shoes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I didn't know if that was just an Indiana thing, but they're like headquartered out of Indiana. And my, my dad went and got some red wing shoes with like some custom insoles. And I've kind of been jealous of those. So I may, I may invest the money in those. Yeah. A a good pair of shoes makes all the difference in the world when you're when you're working on your feet all day. Yep. It's one of those things that sounds kind of dumb, like, you know, why are these people talking about their shoes? But if if you can come work for another like hour a day comfortably because you're able to stand longer, like that heads up really quick or even 15 minutes. If you get 15 minutes a day because you're more comfortable on your feet and you're not wanting to sit down as much like. Yeah. You can quickly yeah. get to, you know, $150 or $200 pair of shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and for something that you're using every day, you know, even even if you're like, well, I could power through those extra 15 minutes, you know, use whatever. Like, it's it's your comfort level at your job. I mean, are you hating every day because you're having to stand and work? Like, yeah. <laughs> it just It's just going to make for a better a better mental state, regardless of how much work gets done. So yeah, that's a good pair of shoe is, is something that's always worth investing in. Uh, my dad growing up was always a stickler for like, he didn't like spending cash for, uh, he was very like, uh, I won't say penny pinching, but he didn't like to spend unnecessary money. But if it came to a set of work shoes or work gloves or work jacket, those are the areas that like, when it came to like clothing, he's like, let's get the best. Like, let's get, yep. get what we need. It's going to mean a lot. So anyways, I went to the, um, what do you call them? I keep calling them a scrap dealer, but that makes them sound like they're selling drugs or something. What do you call a scrap? Recycle? Scrap fire? Recycle? I don't know. I went and sold scrap today for the first time. Oh yeah. Recycle. I've been, I had been saving specifically titanium because I figured that was the, the stuff I would get the most bang for my buck for. Most of the other stuff I've just kind of been getting rid of. I have like a bucket of aluminum solids and like chunks. I haven't saved any chips other than titanium. But the other day uh, I did that brass job with all the buttons. Mm-hmm. And the titanium that I've been saving for two years was worth like 60 bucks or something. <laughs> the brass from that one job, just the chips were worth like 80 bucks. Oh my goodness. So I think I've been saving the wrong stuff apparently. Well, brass, brass, there's not going to be anything that's going to be nearly as expensive as brass, probably. 
Well, I mean, if you're buying it, titanium's way more than brass. If you're buying it, yes, but it, it's it's not just the price of the material; it's the recyclability of it. And that's, and, I think, what happened. Yep. Yeah, because brass is both a valuable material and easily recyclable. So the combinations of those two things makes it very valuable. You know, they say, what is it? Uh, 90% of the aluminum that's in circulation mm-hmm. is recycled. So that's a, aluminum is another great material to recycle. Yeah. Steel well, think... and stainless are horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I think part of it also was they just didn't like they don't have the systems and processes in place for titanium. Like I, I, you know, showed up with a couple buckets of titanium and they were like, I have no idea how much this is worth. And they had to like call corporate and they're going to have to like ship it to corporate to, you know, like they just, you know, shipping the titanium does not make it worth it for them pretty much immediately. So, yeah, that's true. But whatever. I walked away with like 150 bucks or something, which I was expecting like 30 for everything I brought in. Mm-hmm. So I'll take 150 bucks. That's yeah. 150 bucks yep. is 150 bucks. That's, That's three it, horse mats. <laughs> and you probably did that with, <laughs> with just a couple five gallon buckets worth of that. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah see, I, I've gone with 250 gallon totes. And walked away with like 200 bucks in aluminum. So yeah. <laughs> 150 bucks for a couple five gallon buckets is is very good. I still don't think I'm going to be saving my aluminum chips. though. I don't know. Maybe it's worth it just from a logistics point at this point. Yeah. Because I am starting to end up with enough chips where it kind of matters. Like how I get rid of it. Yeah. I don't want my trash can to be really heavy every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big thing for sure. Yeah, when we go to move those totes, I'm going to take them to recycle. I'll be curious because I've got basically one stainless. I got one 250 gallon tote full of aluminum chips and one 250 gallon tote full of stainless chips. And then I have another 250 gallon chip that's probably about a half full of steel. Okay. So. But yeah, the when I go to my recycler. If I remember correctly, aluminum was like 50 cents a pound or something like that, or, or 30 cents a pound, somewhere in that neighborhood. And then steel and stainless steel was like 20 bucks a ton. Yeah. Hold on. Or something. And so going off of tonnage versus pounds, you had to have a whole lot of, of steel and stainless for it to be worth anything. Let's like, see what I it think- says on here. I think the last time I recycled, we we ended up with, I don't know, close to two hundred dollars worth, and the steel and stainless was like twenty bucks, or no, it wasn't even twenty bucks. It was like fifteen dollars out of the two hundred, and the rest was all aluminum. So yeah, my my aluminum was forty four cents a pound. My titanium solids were sixty five cents a pound. My titanium chips were fifty cents a pound. My stainless solids were 36 cents a pound. And then my brass was almost $2 a pound. Oh, yeah. That's insane. That's, yeah. (laughs) Apparently they needed brass. Yeah, brass is $2 a pound. I I think that's the highest I've seen for any material, at least. It was like 180. Yeah. I I think locally, like, locally our scrap dealer is kind of horrible. Uh, our recycler. Cause he, they, they, they're the only business and they're the only recycle center in town and their prices are low. I could, if, if it was worth it, I could drive the next town over. It's about an hour drive and the prices are doubled. So mm. like if I can store up enough, it'll more than pay for itself to take a, take a trip over there. And, yeah. If I save up enough, I can use that excuse to head over there and try to find some more customers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so pay for my trip and recycle. So I'm going to need to start actively looking for, for non zometry customers. I have passively had some come to me. So mm-hmm. it feels like I'm making progress on my goal, but it's just by 
luck and happenstance and not actually by effort. And I probably need to actually do that effort. Yeah. I, I When we get this, this mill up and running, I'm going to hit the pavement hard. I've got a list of, I think, 20 to 25 different companies in the area that I'm going to try to hit up. Some of them I've talked before in the past, but I didn't get to the right person. And so I'm going to try yeah. to do some actual research and try to find the right person I need to link up with. Um, and then I've got my main customer who has volunteered to let me use them as a business reference. If I, if I can name drop and, or give them the person that I'm trying to um, get into, give them like a phone number or email of past customers. That's nice. So I'm looking forward to that. That should go, that should go really well. And on the other side, we've taken some design work in the past and you know i'm a mechanical engineer by trade um and that's how we got our that's what i did for the last five years before i started this and so we've done some design jobs here and there um but i think i'm gonna just start turning down that type of work yes you should or (laughs) or charging a whole lot more for it um because it is it ends up taking a lot more time and resources and i i always end up making far less than what was originally planned just because of how much time it ends up taking and so it it is not i can make far more money focusing on producing parts than i think i can uh doing the design work so i think that's i think that's something that we're just going to stop doing it at some point i can't believe you're voluntarily focusing this is normally something i have to beat you into it's not really volunteering. It's it's figuring out what works for our workflow and and going from there. Yeah. And we're at the we're at the stage now where it made sense before. Whenever we were having a hard time getting jobs in the door to take on all the work that we could, and now that we're at that stage where we're growing and we're we're getting more parts and we're getting good at it, we can specialize a little bit more and trim some of the fat. The same yep. goes for kind of some of the gun stuff. Although we did have a supplier that came in or not a supplier, a salesman who came in, who was also a big salesman with a lot of the gun manufacturers in the area. Mm-hmm. And he said he was going to try to get me some contacts to reach out to some of those places. So nice. we, we could start doing some more gun work, but it won't be like onesie twosie. Hey, I need a barrel threaded or an RMR cut. And yeah. cause that's, that kind of stuff is just, it, at this point, it's not really worth our mon- our time or money to do it. So we do it for a couple people that we've built up good relationships with, um, but we're not really like seeking that work out. Yeah. Doing design work makes a lot of sense when you have the degree and the education and you don't have the overhead of having any machines. You don't have the overhead of having a shop. As soon as you start to add that stuff in, it kind of makes less sense because that doesn't happen when you're, you know, sleeping or taking lunch or whatever. Like, but parts still get made. Yeah. Well, the, the flip side of that is if we start getting like really automated and I start having time on my hand again, then it's going to be like, well, maybe I can start doing design work again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I can do design work while my machines are running. So, which, you know, that was kind of the idea. Whenever, whenever the perfect job came along where, I could set my machine up and it would run unattended for, you know, a couple hours at a time. It was easy to fit in that design work in those times. Yeah. But the problem is, is the volume of parts that we're taking in the, the average time that most of these parts run. It doesn't make sense. Yep. I have to get up too often. And, you know, even, even if, even if a part cycle time is 20 minutes, you still have to run over, change it out and, and then get back and get refocused on, onto what you were doing before. And that takes a little bit. Like you can't just like sit up, like stand up, go, go focus on a different task, come back and then just magically switch your brain back into whatever you were doing. It's yeah. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I heard a stat one time. It takes, it takes 15 minutes to get focused and efficiently working on a task. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of the metric I use in my head is if I'm getting interrupted every 15 minutes, that means I'm basically not able to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. 
So and I, I, I'm probably worse than most people at this. For me, it may legitimately be like an hour sometimes to get refocused. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, one of the reasons I'm very careful about when I'm in the shop about guarding my focus. Like, you know, my my phone goes on the table. I disconnect it from my headphones. Like, there will be no 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 notifications. I will not look at emails. I will I will do parts because if I don't do that, then I get nothing done. You you will need to figure out how to multitask if you start getting local customers. Yeah, a little bit. So that that is the that is one nice thing about Zometry is you can put your head down, you can get the jobs done, and you know that's all that matters. But when you start having local customers that are like, "Hey, can you quote this? Hey, can I get an update on this? Hey, can you look at these parts or you know whatever?" Like the communication line becomes a lot more dynamic. Yeah. Um, like today, even I was on the phone um, and emailing nonstop, even though like we're not officially open. I'm I'm getting a lot of interest in how things mm. are coming and people are asking a lot of questions. So anyways, it's exciting, but I don't have any work yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's see here. Was there anything else? Man, that's pretty much it for us. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm caught up. I'm up to date. I mean, this is kind of a funny thing. We never had a mailbox before. We actually have a mailbox <laughs> at this new address. So, like, we have someone that's coming by and picking up packages and, and mm. like, picking up mail so we don't have to make a mail run, you know, yep. a couple times. So that's super nice. Uh, and FedEx, FedEx now shows up in the morning instead of the afternoon. Ooh, that's big. So I uh, haven't seen UPS at the new shop yet. I don't know if we haven't had anything delivered UPS or or what time they're going to show up. But I, I'll be curious when they show up. I know FedEx is in the morning and mail is in the morning. So I'm looking forward to seeing when UPS is. Because if everything shows up in the morning, I will be very happy. Because at the old shop, we had so many... Like, at the old shop, we'd have UPS show up at like seven o'clock at night and drop off parts after we've long been closed. And it was so frustrating. Yeah, I that's a problem I have is UPS shows up super late sometimes. And mm-hmm. if if I don't plan ahead, sometimes that comes back to bite me. Yeah. I have a company to plug. They They don't know who I am. They don't know us. I've just used them several times now and I've been happy with them. M&J Tooling. They sell, among other things, the thing that I care about is they're a good place to get thread gauges. And they sell used thread gauges, which is handy if you ever have this, like just like a random one-off job that comes in and you just need to check like one stupid thread on it. Mm -hmm. Grab a used thread gauge from them and it's, you know, a third or a quarter of the price of a new one. So I've used them a couple times. I needed I needed that one inch MPT for this job coming up. It's like mm-hmm. it was like four hundred dollars or something new, and it was like sixty bucks from them. Interesting. So, and I was happy with them because this. So I have a, a job coming up where I need the thread gauge, and like when I was checking out in the comment section, they it was basically just free shipping. They didn't give me shipping options. And mm-hmm. in the comment section, I was like, hey, if this isn't going to be here by this date, can you like I will gladly pay to upgrade to shipping. And first thing mm-hmm. this morning, they called me. They're like, yeah, it's going to be this date. If you do free shipping, if you upgrade to UPS, it'll be this date. And Grant, like just very knowledgeable. They were on it. They called me. I didn't have to bug them. They called me and took care of the problem in like, you know, 40 yeah. seconds. It was fantastic. It's so. They don't know who I am. They don't know we're saying this. They will never see this podcast. I was just happy with them and they deserve a plug. Yep. That's good. I had a thought while you're doing that and I've lost it. That's how it goes sometimes. That'll work. I'm okay with this. This is not very ADC, but. No. There's a band that this sounds like and it's eluding me. Is it the Cradles? That's who it is. Or is it some, I don't know if Cradles is the song name or the band, but anyway. We haven't had anyone talk in any of our music in the past. This is throwing Yeah, that's off. weird. We can't do that. Well, uh, it's that time. We appreciate all of you who have uh, been hanging out with us for 
our weekly updates. Uh, got a lot of exciting stuff happen on both of our parts, and we'll see what happens as we as we both kind of enter into a new stage of our businesses. It's going to be exciting. Oh, what were you going to say? I need to do administrative details. Oh. Administrative details with AJ. If you are a small business and you sell a physical product or offer a physical service, uh, send us a message and we'll give you a, a podcast shout out for free because uh, all boats rise at the tide. Uh, we have a Patreon something something slash taps and patience. All right, carry someone's, on. So Someone's going to actually look Patreon. up something. Patreon.com slash taps and patience. Someone's going to look up something something taps and patience. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so yeah. Those of you that have been hanging out with us, we appreciate it. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends. This is Harrison with Precision Ingenuity, signing out with AJ from Audacity Micro. If you want parts that are bigger than a cubic inch, send Harrison an RFQ. If you want parts that are smaller than a cubic inch, send me an RFQ. Bye. (laughs)